You are listening to Sheet Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. Chapter 20 Pieces of Athos. Dana checked her comm stud for the 20th time. No one had made contact. Not Aramis or Bazin or Porthos or Bonnie. At this stage, she would almost welcome a notification that she was about to be personally arrested by Cardinal Richelieu. Stop it, Athos said in a low voice. You're driving yourself crazy. It won't help. Can I just... No. He refused to let her make contact again. But they know how to get in touch if they can. Filling their comms with anxious queries is not going to help anyone and it will provide far too much information to anyone who might have them in custody. You think they're under arrest? It's not an unlikely scenario. Aramis was wounded, Dana moaned beneath her breath, and Bonnie hadn't even found Porthos. I know, all right. Shut up about it. Athos, she said, knowing she was whining like a child but unable to stop herself. I can't fly if I'm frantic. Stop talking about them. Think of something calming. That was the dumbest thing Dana had ever heard. Who can be calm at a time like this? How do you do it? Fencing, said Athos. Fencing is calming. Do those footwork routines I showed you. In your head, if you please. I don't want you prancing around the flight deck. You want me to do footwork in my head, Dana said incredulously. Another thought occurred to her. Hang on, is that what you're doing when you get that pained expression on your face? If I say yes, will you stop talking? He was tense. His hands were trembling slightly on the controls. Dana subsided. He needed a calm frame of mind to pilot the ship. The least she could do was not sabotage him. Footwork. Got it. She filled her mind with fencing exercises, her feet wriggling as she took herself through her paces. To her surprise, after a while, it did make her feel as if she could relax. Dana blinked rapidly, looking around the small flight deck in alarm. What was... Hey! Oh, was I asleep? What the hell happened? The stars were different. She hadn't blinked or zoned out for a moment. She'd been properly asleep. She could see the bright circle of valour up ahead and the blur of orbiting stations around her. They were a lot closer than they had been. That was some good calm right there, drawled Athos. Nice and quiet, except for the snoring. Dana gave him a suspicious look. Did you drug me because I was talking too much? No, you genuinely fell asleep. It was a beautiful thing. When I am old, I will look back on that time with fondness. She couldn't believe it. Asleep? I don't even have Grimaud's excuse. Could you check on her? I'm concerned she hasn't come to yet. Dana nodded and let herself out of the seat. Grimaud sat strapped against the far wall, 
her head drifting to one side. Dana ran through the usual response checks, everything short of putting a medipatch on her chest. Her vitals are fine. It was rare for a dose from a pearl stunner to last more than an hour or so on a victim, but Grimaud had received a double blast. They were lucky she hadn't gone into cold shock. I hate stunners, Athos growled. She wouldn't have got it from both of us if you'd trusted me to hit my marks, Dana pointed out again. I know. Sorry. I don't trust easily. I'm shocked by that revelation, she said. She hadn't expected him to apologise. Shocked, I tell you. Athos's hands might be busy at the helm, but he still took the time to give her the finger. Dana grinned. Valor loomed ahead of them, and there were still no messages from Porthos, Aramis, or their engies. Not even mental footwork calmed Dana down this time. She checked and rechecked her comm. She found herself reaching out for Athos's wrist, just to see if anything had come in on his comm without him noticing. But he pulled his arm away from her with a growl. They're fine, D'Artagnan. They'll get in touch when they can, and if not, if they can't get to a communicator because they've been taken, we'll just have to go collect them when we're done with this mission of yours. This mission of yours? That stung harder than it should have done. Dana didn't need reminding that she was the one who'd brought them here. Athos sighed impatiently. His eyes were still on the screens, his hands busy on the controls. But Dana knew that sigh. It was closely related to the Porthos wants us to talk about our feelings, huff. Do you really need me to reassure you why they're going to be all right? He said finally. Yes, said Dana. Whatever you've got, I'll take it. Fine. Years ago. Not long after the war, when I still lived on Valor, I was in a bad way. Drunk for the most part, and don't interrupt to tell me what a drunk I am now. I didn't say a word. Worse than now, if you can imagine it. I travelled halfway around the damned planet to get away. Bought a bar in the middle of nowhere on the side of a fucking mountain. And I climbed so far inside a bottle... I couldn't even remember my name, which was fine, because I'd left that behind with everything else. Athos was silent for a while, his fingers dancing across the dashboard as he made minute manual adjustments. He used his hands more than any other pilot Dana knew, almost as if he didn't trust his brain. After a few minutes of concentration, he returned to his story. A woman walked into the bar, and I knew she was a spy. The war was over, but the sun-kissed continued to infiltrate the solar system with covert agents. I had personal experience at recognising them. I was less than impressed with how the local militia handled that first instance, so after that I contacted the fleet directly when I had useful information. Treville? Dana asked. Athos smiled briefly, and she saw the warmth in his eyes. Treville, 
I forwarded information directly to her over the next couple of years. It's amazing what you can learn in a bar, especially one at the crossroads of several travel routes. It was quite a game. I started drinking less and listening more. Then one day, a local criminal gang who'd been profiting from sun-kissed kickbacks figured out what I was doing. Dana winced. Athos nodded. I was captured and carted halfway up that damn mountain so they could decide whether they were going to ransom me or make me disappear. I convinced them that I was worthless. Dana gave him a dirty look. Did you have a death wish? Something like that. I certainly had no desire to reveal who I used to be. There was no one to miss me. The thought of disappearing so thoroughly was something of a relief. He did not look at her. Dana did not dare try to meet his eyes, and not only because they might end up crashing into an asteroid. Athos had never revealed so much of himself before, and she didn't want it to stop. What happened? Obviously, you survived. The musketeers happened. Two darts arrived in the nick of time. My abductors were arrested and taken to Paris Satellite for questioning. I wasn't giving a lot of choice in coming along. My rescuers patched me up, fed me, talked non-stop until I enlisted formally. And I haven't got rid of them since. He offered Dana a brief, biting grin. It's going to take more than a compromised solar crawler and a handful of sabres to get Porthos and Aramis off my back, believe me. Dana considered his story in silence. It was comforting to hear his confidence in their friends. More than that, it meant something that he'd been willing to share these pieces of his history. Isn't there a mountain on valour called Athos, she said finally, picking up on a detail of the story that he might not have wanted her to notice. It's possible. You named yourself after a mountain. She turned to him, alight with curiosity. What was your name before? But that was one question too many. She saw his face close over. Story time is over, D'Artagnan. That's not fair. Life is unfair. She considered pouting, but... That would just annoy both of them. How long until we reach Valor? We should pass Mung Station in an hour or so. Entering Valor atmosphere shortly after that if we make it in one piece. She looked at him in alarm. Why wouldn't we make it in one piece? Largely because of the six pursuit ships that have been gaining on us for a while now. We also have to consider the possibility that there might be more lying in wait for us when we reach the planet. Porthos and Aramis really aren't the ones I should be worried about, are they? Nope. Grimaud woke up about twenty minutes out from Mung Station, when Athos slowed the ship down for planetary approach. She coughed and shifted uncomfortably in her harness. Stay where you are, 
Athos barked at Dana. But she slipped her harness and went to check on Grimaud, taking her a flask of water. How do you feel, Angie? Grimaud swallowed down some water with shaky lips. Her reflex is slower than usual. Like someone shot me. They're vile, those sabres, Athos called from the front of the flight deck. Can't trust them an inch. Dana gave him a dirty look. You're not going to wriggle out of it that easily. You don't have to live with her. Dana continued to glare at his back. He gave in after thirty seconds of studied silence. Oh, fine. Grimaud, best of NGs. You were caught in a friendly fire of pearl stunners. I will make it up to you if we survive this. Speaking of which, D'Artagnan, get the fuck back into a harness before I flip you through the view screen. Things are about to get bumpy. Dana had barely made it back to her seat before the parry riposte jolted violently. Athos spun them off into a hard spin, then straightened them. What is it? she asked, fastening the last snaps of her harness. Those pursuit ships I mentioned some time ago. The ones that have been closing in over the last couple of hours, but haven't otherwise given us any trouble. Bright flashes of laser light exploded across the right side of the view screen, and the parry riposte shuddered around them. I get it, Dana said breathlessly. Trouble. Three shots rang across the sky in quick succession. Athos managed to get the dart under two of them, but the third skimmed the hull with a vibration that made Dana's teeth rattle. Athos swore twice. Damage. Dana thought at first that he was talking to her, but Grimaud rapped out specks from behind them and she realised that the NG had access to a diagnostics panel from the rear seat. There was one here as well, right by Dana's hand. She called it up without asking permission. Another three pursuit ships approaching from behind Myung Station. Of course there are, Athos bit out. He wiped something from the other side of his face and she saw a spatter of blood on his hand. Was that coming from his ear? We know what they're after. We've got to get you down to that planet. Another burst of light crossed Dana's field of vision, but Athos slung the ship through a series of fast manoeuvres, avoiding the blast. If we get close enough to the station, they'll stop shooting, he said. There are three cathedrals on Myung, and twelve more across the other orbital stations and satellites. We still have to lose them. That I can do. Dana stared at the blood on his hand. Athos, how deeply are you tapped into this ship? It was different for different pilots and ship combinations. The better a pilot, the longer they'd been flying the same ship the more intimately woven their brain was into the controls, the more likely they were to take actual damage when their ship did. It's just flashburn, he said dismissively. You didn't answer my question. Grimaud cleared her throat and said nothing. The nothing she said was big enough to fill the flight deck. Dana concentrated on the pursuit ships, 
the pattern they made across the diagnostics panel. Another wave of blasts came at them from two different angles. Athos ducked and rolled the dart, but he shuddered under them with the force of another impact. The good news is, they're not trying to destroy us, Athos said. His eyes were glassy with pain. Orders to take us alive, or we'd be in pieces already. Hold on to something, both of you. The parry riposte took on a turn of speed that Dana didn't know this generation of dart was capable of. They weaved around the pursuit ships and skimmed directly under Myung Station, then punched directly into Valor's space, breaking through the atmosphere with a blinding flash of light. It rains a lot on Valor, said Dana, using the diagnostics panel to search their region more widely. That's what they say, said Athos, his hands and eyes busy on the controls. So, she said, navigating a fast route and skimming the panel over to his central screen. Cloud cover. Lots of it. Get in. He gave her a biting smile and followed the route she'd given. We're draining the power spheres. Ten more minutes of this speed and we're in real trouble, Grimaud warned. I know, Athos told her. We've got other problems. D'Artagnan? Ever flown doubles before? Sure, once or twice in training, Dana said without thinking. And then, what? He couldn't be serious. I wouldn't ask, he said. And for the first time she realised there was an uneven quality to his voice that had nothing to do with the vibrations of the damaged ship around them. But there's a good chance I'm going to lose consciousness in the next five minutes. Care to hop aboard? Doubling was a dangerous technique. Only hauled out in training and dire emergencies. Having a second pilot keyed directly into the ship provided backup, yes, and in the best cases a merging of skills. But it meant merging thoughts, too. And it had never occurred to Dana in a million years that Athos, of all people, would be willing to open himself up like that. Bloody hell! He must be dying! Come on, D'Artagnan! I can use Grimaud if I have to, but you're the better pilot. Make a decision. I will. Of course I will. Dana glanced back, but Grimaud was already in motion, dragging a secondary helm and cables out of a panel in the side of the ship. Dana had doubled with her mother, once or twice, before she was old enough to fly solo. It had been a strange, dissociative experience, to touch the mind and memories of a woman she thought she knew better than anyone. The first time she did it, her mind was assaulted by the memories of Maman's first battle. It had taken years before she could go near a spaceship helm, without thinking of corpses floating in space. This helm fitted snugly over her head, and the snap of the cables plugging into the base of her neck felt like home. Why is this affecting you so badly? she asked Athos. There was something about this that didn't add up. 
He's on Nexus, said Grimaud, leaning around Dana's chest to make the last few connections. Dana blinked. Nexus was the most powerful of the psychic drugs. It was used for gaming and other civilian cocktails most of the time because only a complete idiot would use it as a pilot drug. It was too bloody strong. All the time? Why? Because I drink too much, Athos muttered. There comes a time when all the sobriety patches in the world don't stop your hands shaking at the helmet harness. Fuck. That meant he wasn't just directly wired into the dart. Athos's mind was wrapped in and around the parry riposte. Every shot on target was hitting his system directly. She remembered the pain of the flashburn she'd experienced during the duel with Rosne Cho. It had been nearly unbearable, and that didn't even involve real ships. Hence the need for a co-pilot right now, which, by the way, is one of the most humiliating requests I have ever had to make. Athos wasn't looking at her. His eyes and hands were all over the controls. Not a tremor in sight. She wouldn't have known he was in trouble until the last moment, not if he hadn't confessed. Dana was used to thinking of Athos as invulnerable. I reserve the right to yell at you once we're on the ground, she said, shrugging her shoulders into the harness and making a mental check as the cables and connections stung her synapses. There he was, the parry riposte ready and waiting for her. Ten minutes should do it. After that, we'll never mention it again. Grimaud, I hope there's another ampoule of Nexus left. No, Athos snapped. You don't need it. We've never practiced this together, Athos. This isn't fencing footwork. Do you really think we're going to hold it together raw? I'd prefer a controlled dose of something milder, like flight. But something tells me you don't have it in stock. Grimaud already had the ampule out, which she now placed on Dana's tongue. She hadn't taken psychic drugs since Mewing Station. What goes around comes around. As the Nexus swamped her system, Dana wondered if Rosne Cho was captaining one of those pursuit ships. Now, she said, let's do this. Grimaud made the final connection and the parry riposte reached out to Dana, pulling her roughly into the mind of the ship. Thoughts and memories flooded her a jumble of dream images and impulses. Dana clawed through it all, resisting the urge to stop and sift through what belonged to Athos and what was her own. She had a ship to save. She was the ship. Dana's mind reached out to her co-pilot, and she felt his thoughts brushing hesitantly against her. The screens filled suddenly with a fierce, blinding purple light, and Dana felt her tenuous connection to the ship and Athos shatter into a million pieces. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates, follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRRBooks. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon. 
where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week. Thank you.